0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. If this is your first time here, my name is Tyler Sheff and I'm your host. And we're going to go ahead and jump right into it this week. I want to start talking about a question that came up actually in the Cashflow Guys community. Great question from one of the members asking about, do I have a template or a questionnaire or something like that that we can uh, provide to the seller or we can use as a kind of a something to keep ourselves on track, right? What can we use to keep ourselves on track? You got You're talking to the seller. You may forget to ask questions, right? There's nothing worse than having to go back and ask them questions over and over and over again until you can make sure you got them all covered. I know I've done that quite a bit. So I put together a tool that I hope you guys can use and will find value. And I've had really good feedback from this tool. I put this together a couple of years ago. It's still very applicable today. And, um, The question was posed by Jeremy Gaines, and I'll read it to you. He's in the group. So if you're you're curious, you want context, you can just simply go over to Cashflow Guys community. You can search that on Facebook, and it will take you right there. Or you can go to cashflowguys.com forward slash group, and that will take you directly to the Facebook group. That is, of course, you'll have to log into Facebook. It'll take you right there. But Jeremy goes on to say, I put together a list of questions to ask sellers. I was wondering if there's a good one out there I could use. Well, the answer to your question initially, Jeremy, is yes, there's lots of good ones out there to use. I don't believe that any certain one is perfect. So what I did is I took a random sampling. Lots of good people out there that put out great content. I've taken, I did a little Google search years ago when I had the same question. And instead of going with one person's form, I kind of, you know, hodgepodge them all together. And um, what I did is I used the best questions I could come up with from several different sources put them into a form that i could use and that said back then when I was doing this i was focused more on the question not so much the answer and why I needed to know it so before I go any further i want to I want to address that topic it's one thing to try to find scripts and templates to make sure that you say the right words and i caution you from falling for that trap why is it a trap well it's dangerous because what works verbally with one person won't necessarily work for a different person so what's important to note is there's a reason why you're asking the question. And that's partially because that could be partially because you want the specific answer, like how much is your mortgage payment? Maybe you need to know that because you're going to work and make an offer that includes taking over their mortgage or covering those mortgage payments for them for a portion of time. But you also may ask that question because it's an indirect way to find out if they even have a mortgage. So by using scripts, you tend to try to create a situation to where everybody gets asked the same specific questions. And you'll find yourself getting disappointed when you do that because there are a few people that might not like that question. They might get offended. They might be bothered by it. They might find it too intrusive or too invasive, whichever way you look at it. So I caution you for going off of a specific script. What I did is I built myself a specific script. I spent a lot of time wording things the what I thought was the perfect way I learned shortly after putting that in play that the same questions asked a big group of people don't necessarily resonate with everybody and I had a few people get nasty with me hang up not want to talk to me whatever which is no fun I tell you that that's no fun so how do we avoid this well we avoid this by listening to the person other person we're sitting down with the seller in this case is a stranger we don't know what their belief systems are we don't know what triggers them what doesn't trigger them what makes them happy what makes them sad. So instead of getting into a line of questioning, let's talk about what is the information we need to know so that we can, and then what template can we use to fill in that information, which also would give us the flexibility to ask several different ways, ask a question several different ways to get the same answer. In other words, if you need to know how much the mortgage payment is currently, let's make a box for current mortgage payment. But that doesn't mean that every time we talk to a seller, we're going to say, what's your mortgage payment? Because you may find that some sellers are very reserved and there is a certain school of thought that some people are not okay sharing that information. They feel it's an invasion. So if you run across the person that's very guarded and they're not really being forthcoming with you, you got to warm them up a little bit. You can't just go in and go right for the juggler. Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. So you got to talk to them And build rapport. And the problem that I found over the years is I forget that I have to ask the question. You start talking about fishing or the weather or sports or whatever it may be. And I forget that I got to ask him the damn question. So I came up with this template. It's two pages long. It's lengthy. There's a lot of information on there, but it asks, it, it provides me a place to log every bit of detailed information that I need about a property. Now, some of these things you can find out without asking the seller. I get it. I caution you to not try to fill in the blanks too much before you get on the phone with the seller because I want you to get good and practice and well rehearsed at talking to sellers and working questions out in different ways such that you can get the answer you need to fill the box, okay? It also, I flat out take them with me. I, I have some printed out in paper and I keep them in the, in the Jeep and I've actually got some in my dry box in the boat because if I'm going to go talk to somebody about their house, I'll simply say, hey, John there's a lot of information i got to learn before i can put together an offer that will definitely uh, exceed your expectations. Do you mind if i take notes? i use a little checklist here. i'd like to just kind of use this as a template so that i make sure i don't miss anything. The last thing i want to do while i'm working on offers for you for this house is to have to call you a bunch of times asking you stupid questions. i'd rather just be able to go through this form and kind of use this as a template. Do you mind if i uh, if i write if i take notes? i've never had anybody say yes i mind. Never once. And i've been doing this well over 20 years. So it works. It works really well. Give it a shot. I'll say this. Uh, this is a PDF form, so you can save it on your phone. I'm not an Android guy, so I don't know what that means on the Android, but on, a, on an Apple phone, you can save all your desktop forms, folders and whatnot, right in your form. In your phone, you can also, if you've used Evernote, which I do, you can make this an Evernote template. Very easy. Just import it in Evernote, Google search how to make it a template, and it becomes a fill-in-the-blank template that you can now catalog. The cool thing I like about Evernote, is it in in programs like Evernote, is it becomes searchable. So if I want to find out about a property I'm analyzing on in Old Town Key West, and I typed in the word Old Town Key West in Evernote, it will come up with everything that relates that I've ever written down that uses the term Old Town Key West, okay? I'm just using that as an example. Same would go with two bedroom. If they see that it will search all the documents for two bedrooms and come up with all the properties I've talked to somebody for two bedrooms. So for me, it works out as a great source. That said, let's go through the form. And you can find this form, guys, by going to cashflowguys.com. You go up at the top. You'll see the little menu, the little drop down, the words up there. Click on the resources tab. When you drop the resources tab down, it's the very first form on top. It says deal review form, okay? I did it this way, hoping to make these resources a little easier for you guys to find. Well, I got some feedback from one listener and said that sometimes when I give you guys links, they're driving, they can't write it down or whatnot. So Michelle, if you're listening, this is for you and everybody else that would seem to have the same problem, which I would think be most people because, frankly, I have the same problem. When I'm driving down, I'm always driving or doing something else when I'm listening to a podcast. And if I know that I can just go to cashflowguys.com, whack that resources tab. It's gonna ta- It's gonna list all the resources that Tyler talked about during the show, or any other resources that I might find beneficial. Okay, uh, my deal review form is in there. All kinds of different things are in there. That said, this uh, you go. It starts out with something very simple: the property address and, and the date. And then it talks about what type of property is this: single family, multifamily, commercial, or other. How many? of each kind of unit are there? This is such an important question because I forget this every time. I went and did some open houses, walked some open houses. On Saturday, I was down in Key West, did some open houses, and I forgot like three times how many one bedrooms and how many efficiencies this uh, little apartment building had. Well, I had the form with me so I could just simply whack it. And I know that there were four efficiencies or five efficiencies in one, one bedroom. Okay. Type of neighborhood. Now I learned from one of my mentors to use the stores. Dollar store goes on to Walmart, Target and Nordstrom. Nordstrom, for those of you that don't know, is a very high end retail establishment. So if you live out in, I don't know, Nebraska, maybe you don't have a Nordstrom and maybe you do if you're close to Lincoln, Nebraska or a big city in Nebraska, they may or may not have a Nordstrom. But I also put Target and Walmart in there and Dollar Store. Dollar Store, you know, like I have property up in, uh, in North Florida up in the woods and up there, it's more of a blue collar type area. It's a very rural type community. Everything's spread out. Everybody that owns land, I think the minimum holding up there is about 20 acres or so. So it's a more rural, poorer community. So in that area, that would be considered a dollar store community. Why? Well, because everywhere you look up there, where there is a building, chances are it's a dollar store. If you go into inner city uh, areas, you'll see dollar store. Dollar store is a good indication that's a lower income type community. Conversely, Walmart, Walmart does a lot of, and you should know, by the way, all these stores do a lot of research. So you won't see a dollar store located in a high income area. Why? Well, because the people that live in high income areas Chances are, don't see the value of going to a dollar store. Instead, they're more focused on quality. They're quality shoppers. So they're going to go to Nordstrom and pay $100 for a t-shirt, partially because they feel that the quality is higher and it garners a different experience than it would be buying the same shirt at the dollar store. And this is this rings very true across America. I've traveled all over the country, all over the world, and I'm here to tell you this applies real well. Walmart, Walmart's your kind of like your C class community, right? You're working pre- people, people that are punching the clock, doing their thing, average, Main Street America. Target is more of your B class type communities, you apartment guys. That I'm talking to you. This is the target target type community, right? People say, "I want an A class property, or I want a C class C class A class property in a." in a C neighborhood or vice versa, depending on what side of the transaction you're on. In a case like this, Nordstrom would be A class, Target would be B class, Walmart would be C class, and uh, Dollar Store would be D class. I've owned properties in all four categories and I've learned from that that there are certain types of tenants that I serve best. I am pretty much somewhere between a Walmart and a Target guy. Understanding these neighborhoods and who you serve is very, very important. Like, talks about curb appeal. And this is your opinion. What's the curb appeal? Is the place a train wreck or is it in nice shape? And guys, no matter what section you're in, dollar store, Walmart, Target, whatever, curb appeal can be applicable to all categories. Curb appeal also goes a long way towards pride of ownership. So think about when you're talking to the seller on the phone, John, uh, I know you're at 123 NWR Street and obviously I'm not there. So I'm curious, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, what would you say the curb appeal on the property is? Now they know, and I'll pull it up on the internet later, but sometimes, John, the pictures are a little old and outdated. And I want to try to get the most accurate picture for what it looks like from the street. If a strangers driving by and they look over at your property, how would they rate it on a one to 10? Surprisingly enough, guys, people would be very, will be, usually be very honest with you or pretty close to honest with you. I've never had anybody say their property was a 10 when it wasn't a crystal clear 10. Um, and I've had plenty of people tell me, Oh, it's a, it's, it's a one. It's absolutely a one. As a matter of fact, um, my son had his, Chevy in the front yard for the last 23 years. And by the way, it leaked oil and uh, it killed the tree in the front yard, which then fell in the house and crushed the roof. I've literally had conversations like that. So is what it is. Are the lawns mowed? Shrubs trimmed. That lends itself to learning more about curb appeal, what's going on in the neighborhood, because the neighborhood is going to make a big difference on how you progress as a real estate investor. Doesn't matter whether you're flipping houses, doing Buy and hold doesn't matter um, because what does matter is that what you are proposing to take control over an asset and then inspire other people to either buy it or rent it. And if that's the case and you're in the hood, you're going to have a tougher time than if you're in, I don't know, Beverly Hills, right? People would clamor to be in Beverly Hills. How many realtor signs are in the neighborhood? This question is important because it gives me an idea of what's going on in the marketplace. What is happening there? If every house on the street is for sale, but that's not necessarily the case everywhere else in town, what is different about this neighborhood where everything is for sale with a realtor? Maybe there's just had a toxic waste dump a couple doors down and everybody's in in a panic. So these are valid questions. Now I'm not gonna go question for question with you guys on this because you're all grown ups and you'll get through this. This is pretty pretty straightforward. But what are the negatives of the house in the neighborhood? What are the positives of the house in the neighborhood? Figure out different ways to ask that question. The word negative is, well, negative. It's not a it's an unsavory word and people don't like it. It creates a pain point. So think about different ways you can ask this based on the personality of the people you're dealing with. Let me ask you, Sally, if there was one thing you could change about this property, what would that be? You see how that that's a little more palatable than what are the negatives of this house? I tried to keep the questions as simple as possible so that when you're doing the form, you could fill them out. You could glance at it and know the information that you need to be able to ask it to make up a question that will give you the answer. Does that make sense? Like when I said, what are the negatives of this house and neighborhood? You know that your goal is to find out what the negatives are, but it's probably not a good idea to ask Sally what the hell's wrong with her house. Sally, what the hell's wrong with your house? A better way to say it would be, Sally, what's one thing you could change? So understand I did the form like the way that way on purpose. So you could glance at it and know what information you're trying to get to. And then you can on the fly decide how to get there if that makes sense. I also put some politically correct stuff in this form. And now mind you guys, this is not for the seller to fill out. This is for you. It is a template for you to go off of to remember the questions, remember to ask the questions to get the information you need to fill out this form. And frankly, if you're not filling out this form, and making offers, you're doing yourself and a seller disservice. That's my, my, that's my opinion because you don't know enough about the property to make an offer. The more you learn about a property, the better offer you can make. And frankly, the more questions you ask without being a drill sergeant, that is the better you can be to, as far as it goes with understanding what the seller's pain points are and coming up with your exit strategy, because guys, your offers should always Pertain to your exit. Okay. Should always pertain to your exit. Don't pay all cash for a property for a, that you're going to hold forever if you are not confident that you can refi and pull your cash back out. Okay. Under the same context, don't agree to a balloon payment if your credit score is a 500 and you've had five bankruptcies. Because guess what? You're probably going to have a challenge dealing with that balloon payment. Now, there are ways around that. One of the ways is you could just simply choose to sell the property before the balloon is up and take your profit and go. But if you fall in love with this place and you want to hang on to it and you can't get over that balloon, don't agree to one, okay? So asking the questions of what's going on is going to do go a long way in helping you get to where you need to be, okay? I tried my best to make this form the most agnostic as far as being able to serve multifamily and Single family and mobile home parks and all different asset classes, right? The whole idea of this form is for you to get all the information you need to be able to make an offer in one phone call, in one phone call. So you don't have to keep calling back and going, geez, John, I forgot to ask you what's your principal interest taxes and insurance payment or what's your property insurance cost or John, I got to ask you. I'm curious. It's such a beautiful home. Why are you selling? And if you leave blanks in this form, guys, what you're saying to yourself is I'm not going to make an offer on this property and there's absolutely no way for me to make a profit. And if you're saying that, you're almost always lying to yourself. Okay. Understand that you're almost always lying to yourself. So use this form, think about the questions and think about why the answers to these questions are relevant. I think this, this form is pretty self-explanatory. I'm pretty confident that you guys will be able to go through this without any trouble. If you get hung up, send me an email. I'd be happy to, to explain if there's other things that, that you want to do. Um, Remember, this form is here for you. Don't give it to the sellers. There's questions on here that it specifically asks you, such as why are you thinking about buying or controlling this property? If you cannot articulate to the, your, that to yourself in writing, then you should not be buying the property. Don't be one of those people that goes out and does a deal just to do a deal, to, uh, to make the other knuckleheads at the real estate meeting think you're one of the cool kids. Don't fall into that trap. A lot of that going on these days. Hell there's always a lot of that going on no matter what markets are doing up down and different okay when i ask about what are your immediate financial needs or goals this is a question for you not the seller i want to be i want to make sure we're clear on that this is on page 2 of the form it's a front and back form you can print it off front and back or i had it optimized that way or you can do it as individual pages it's up to you so a lot of the other questions on the back are questions specifically for you to answer for yourself. Not necessarily for the seller to answer, but for you to answer yourself. For example, what makes you think this is a good property to buy? That's a question that's intended for you, but it's also a great question for the seller. Or in this case, if you are talking to a realtor, what makes you think this could be a good deal? That's a great question to ask yourself. Articulate it, write it out. Because if you're sitting there staring at a blank line, that means you're unclear of whether or not this is a good deal. How do you test if you got a good deal? Be willing to tell all your friends about it before you buy it with actual numbers. Most people don't have the courage to do that. That's why most people are buying crappy deals because they're not willing. They already admitted by the, to themselves by not sharing it with anybody, anybody, any confidants or anything that it's probably a crappy deal, but they're going to do it anyway. Maybe they feel pressure or don't worry. It's got to do one to build a relationship. I'm going to lose money now but then they'll like me later. No, they'll think you're a sucker and they're going to try to take advantage of you again. That's how that works. How much cash do you have available for down payments and repairs? That's if you want to keep the property. Valid question to ask yourself. What do you think would be the best offer of all the scenarios for this deal? And lastly, notes. When you need a place to write stuff down right here on this form, second page, you can jot down notes. So, this tool is absolutely free for you. I don't need your email address to get it. You just fill in the information. You can PDF it. You can print it off. You can do whatever you want. My gift to you. But that said, you got to pick up the form and actually use it put it to work. Guys, I hope this answers the questions that you guys have on the questions that you want to ask. If we have more questions on this, Jeremy, I hope this answers your question as well. Guys, have a great week and I will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.